0: Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to Zanus Radio Show. It's 2 or 8, exactly 2:08 Eastern Time. So let me just welcome my guest here, I, uh, my, my colleague. I have the former association president for Illinois, Mr. Blair Siajunza. Welcome, sir.
1: Hey, happy Father's Day, Guananoa, and happy, happy Father's Day, Day to you, others. too yeah we thank God. Uh, we're here, and we thank God to those of our finest uh, uh, Zambian women and women in in the world that play you know the role fathers, you know so we thank God for everybody, and uh, hopefully we'll have a nice show.:
0: Oh, so, thank you, thank you so let let's say welcome our brother in in the great sunshine state. Mr. Charles Wemby, welcome to the show.
1: Thank, thank you so much, President. Yeah,
0: it's welcome, a pleasure welcome. to be here. Happy Father's Day.
1: Thank you so much. Happy Father's Day to you and uh, to all fathers and those playing the role there.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so I have my secretary here, the Zen Association secretary. Uh, Madam Secretary, how are you? It could be my secretary. Oh, hi. Might be oh, Hi, I'm sorry. I had (laughs) my phone muted and it was in my pocket. So (laughs) So, uh, happy Day to you, President Wendia, President Blair, and President Noah. Yes. We thank thank you you for what you guys are doing in the community. Oh, Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so ladies and gentlemen, the purpose of our show this afternoon is to, I'll give, I'll be talking a lot, so the purpose of this show is to give the historical context, to what we are seeing today, because in most cases we always wonder, why do we behave the way we behave? Why is this happening? Why are our people treated the way they are treated? So, in order for us to have a sound understanding of that, I've put together some information that I'll be sharing. So, for the most part, I'll be I'm going to mute everybody, or you can sort of. Uh, Listen, and then towards the end, we'll open it up if somebody has a comment or question. So we have had two series. The previous week, we invited President Sadiq Gelo to speak on the same issue. And then the following week, we had other, other guests, other presidents come to share some thoughts and ideas. So people have asked me to zoom in and provide sort of my response and what I think is happening. So for the purposes of this show, I'll give, I've written down 10 points. So I'll be sharing uh, what I understand to be the, the the problem that we're seeing up here. Because in order for us to solve any problem in any field, you have to have a sound understanding of what the problem is. Then you'll be able to have the right tools, the right information in order for you to gather your thoughts, your ideas and whatever else you need to address the problem. Don't just address the problem by looking at the 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 symptoms. You have to look deep and get to the bottom of the situations for you to have uh, effective uh, uh, mitigation to whatever you are addressing. So the purpose of this show is to A few people have asked me to sort of share my thoughts, so I'll be sharing my thoughts. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, the first point that we have to understand is why did black people come to America? Of course, when you walk around, there are countless black people. The question is, why did black people come to America? So the answer is, black people were forced to come to America. They were channeled on the seas on these boats at the time, vessels coming to the United States. They different, They use all kinds of uh, boats. I think one of the famous ones, if not the first, or one of the very early boats that they used was called Jesus Christ. So you know by nature our people have this affinity for religion. So when the Europeans were coming to Africa, The Europeans were coming in the name of religion. So because of our nature as very hospitable religious folk, we were easily understanding and we were welcoming the Europeans. So the Europeans, for some reason, they had an agenda, and the agenda was to bring black people to these shores or these territories, or sometimes people say the Americans. So our people were brought to these parts for the benefits and service of the Europeans. It was never the intention of the Europeans at any time to have black people free. So we have to understand, first of all, our people were brought here and the manner in which they were brought here is just unfortunate. People were parked on, sea, or on these ships or boats, like just sardines, they were changed on this, uh, in the, in the, in these vessels that brought them. So black people at the time were not considered to be human. They were looked at as savages. This is why I think if you watch some of the old movies, the black people are usually referred to as savages. So why do they refer to them as savages? Of course, you refer to them as savages so that you can act against them savagely. So, for instance, you have the black people of Tasmania. You have the black people or the aborigines up in the Australia and the other territories there. To this day, there is no black Tasmanian alive. All of them were rounded up and shot. Some of them were killed. Their heads were bowed up and brought to these parts and put on museum display. So you have to have a sound understanding of history. So don't just look at what is happening here and think it's an isolated incident. No, it's not. Everything is pieced together. So our people were brought here in a very terrible manner. They were chained to these decks on these ports. That's where they slept. That's where they went to the bathroom. Now, you can imagine some of us fly. If you fly from here to Zambia, it's about 17, 18 hours, I think, if it's a direct flight. Usually, when you are on a plane, you want to stretch your legs and just walk back and forth, go to the bathroom, and just, I mean, handle business. Now, our people, when they were brought here, there was no luxury like that. They were chained onto these decks. So, you find some of them, of course, they were not treated as humans, They ended up dying in in the process of being brought to these lands. So that's point number one. Now, when we talk of slavery, why did we have slavery? Slavery was mainly for economic purposes for the Europeans. You find that black people were brought to these lands to work on these plantations. Why were they working on plantations? Because white people wanted free labor. So most of us, we go paid either hourly or we have a salary and things like that. Now you can imagine you have a plantation or you run a company and then you have countless people that can work for you for free. So black people had to work for hundreds of years for free, touring in the hot, blazing sun without getting any wage. And in fact, if you ask for just simple things, most of our people were mistreated and treated as if they were animals. Because in the first place, this is why we're giving a historical understanding so that people have a clear perspective of why black people were brought here. So when you look at slavery, it was not necessarily uh, due to hate. It was an economic system or for the economic economic benefit of the Europeans or the the powers that be at the time so even when you look at the u s constitution the u s constitution actually before I get to the u s constitution in eighteen fifty seven the Supreme court ruled. In a case, uh, Drake Scott v. Sanford person sued for his freedom, but in 1857, the, the, the Supreme Court ruled that a black person was not a person. That is in 1857. Now, in 1859, the Attorney General at the time was a gentleman called Isaiah Black. This man also ruled that black people were not human. They were not citizens. Now, in fact, Jeremiah Black in 1859 said, black people were not persons. Now, I don't have enough time to discuss or go into depth what the word person means. So person is sort of a persona that you wear sort of like as as a mask. So the Supreme Court, the Attorney General ruled at separate times in 1857 eighteen fifty nine that black people are not citizens, Jeremiah Black said black people are not peasants, so you see the justification even in the in the constitution the u s constitution black people are referred to as three feet new human, so uh, it's very funny actually when you read the Constitution, I encourage you folks out there. Go to citizenapp.com and type in the word citizen and see what you come up with. So we'll just leave it out there. So black people were brought here in a very inhuman way. They were brought here for the purposes of saving the Europeans. So slavery was not necessarily uh, perpetrated against our people due to hate, no it was actually for economic purposes and hate in the process of course was sort of infused in but the main idea behind slavery was for the benefit of the europeans this is why they made them work touring in the hot blazing sun on this plantation for countless hours and hours so that is point number 2 now you have to look at now the justification for Enslavement of black people From the church Now most of us as Christians We go to church And for a little Caveat here The environment In which you grow up Determines what type of a person you are So in the second part of the show I'll try to touch on that So the environment Have that thought uh, in your mind The environment where you grow up Determines what type of a person you are going to be for the most part. So black people, for some of us who are born in Zambia, we are Christians by default. Why? We we didn't choose to be Christians. It's because we are born in that environment. Now, when you look at our friends who were born, for instance, in the Middle East, or Iraq, Iran, Syria, or Egypt, Morocco, somewhere up north, North Africa, by default, those countries, I mean, those people in those countries are going to be Muslims or they belong to the Islamic faith by default in most cases. That doesn't mean that you cannot find Christians in those areas, just like in Zambia. We have a few people who are Christians, but on average, when you ask any, Afro, any Zambian, they will profess that they belong to the Christian faith. So the environment in which you grow up, determines most of the uh, the traits or the characters or the persona, the behaviors the, the, that most of us end up exhibiting. But this is done at a very subconscious level and most people don't really know that or they don't really understand that. So the environment, I'll discuss a little bit further on how the environment shapes your behavior. So the church justified slavery at the time and then I don't have enough time because, again, this is a one-hour show. So if you read in Genesis 9, chapter 9, verse 18 to 27, you read the story of Noah and his children. That's the justification for most of the southern states that they used to uh, hold on to the cruel practice of enslaving our people. Now, in the New Testament, if you read in One of the books by the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 to 7, it talks about the servant shall be uh, obedient, servants be obedient to your masters. So these are some of the verses which the the southern states, because that's where most of our people were in bondage, they justified slavery from those two, I mean, using those. There are other verses, of course, that they used. But those were the two main ones, of course. When you quote something from the Old Testament, somebody will say, oh, that's the old book. Now we are in the new covenant. So you quote something from the New Testament. So that sort of shuts up people. Because most people say, no, we're not using the Old Testament. We're using the New Testament. So the slave masters knew how to sort of silence people because they would quote scripture from the Old Testament and they would quote scripture also from the New Testament. So in our present day, when you talk to most of our people, if anything that has to do with religion, it sort of, it it causes our people sort of a mental paralysis because they don't examine anything as long as you say, oh, it's an apostle saying that, oh, right there, there's a mental freeze. They don't question it, then it's, uh, I mean, it's as true as the gospel. They will take it like that. So that's the justification for slavery from the Bible. Now we look at justification for slavery from a scientific perspective. So some of you may not know, in the past I used to engage in uh, debates, with I can still have a debate against anyone at any time on the scientific justification because I, uh, in creation science, that's where, of course, there's a lot of scientific justification or scientific... Uh, the, the Bible is a very, very scientific book in some way, in the sense that you can look at what the Bible says. And, uh, for instance, uh, the uh, one of the verses which is used as a scientific justification, if you read the book of Job, can thou send lightning... Most of the scientific community is able to prove that electrowaves or microwaves, you can send messages using electrowaves or microwaves. So the Bible talks about that in the Book of Job, so I don't have enough time to get into that. But the scientific justification on slavery was brought about by a man called Charles Darwin. Because in 1859, a book came out which was called The Origin of Species. So I don't know if most of you have had a chance to review or read the book The Origin of Species by Charles Darwin. So that is the book which was used as justification for slavery. Now, when you most of most of the people I'm sure they will just say, "Oh, it's The Origin of Species." But if you read the whole title of the book, it actually says The Origin of Species by Means of Natural natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. That's the full title of the book, which came out in 1859 by Charles Darwin. So the other part, in most cases, it's not uh, put out there. Most people don't even know that there's that second part or full title. So again, the full title of the Origin of Species the book which sort of put a scientific justification for slavery, the full title is The of Species or The Preservation of Favored Races. So now, what are those favored races? So that was part of the justification that the book uh, that Charles Darwin wrote in 1859. Most of the sci- scientists would court and say, oh, but the survival of the fetus. So let me just take a few minutes to share a little bit about survival of the fetus. So in 1859, prior to the book coming out, Charles Darwin was mostly influenced by a man called Thomas Murphy. Thomas Murphy was sort of like an economist who said there are more people in this world than the population can support. So the run-up to this simply states that the population of this world will sort of overpower or outweigh the resources that we have. So some of the people, there is justification for some people to die. That's sort of like in a gist what Thomas Matthews said. So Thomas Matthews uh, influenced Charles Darwin. Charles Darwin actually was selling out on a boat, which was called the Beagle, in the early 1800s. So he was actually brought up in a Christian home waiting to become a a priest. So while he was waiting around, he sailed uh, on this boat called the Beagle. B-E-A-G-E-L. No, L-G. Yeah. So he traveled around the world and got to the Galapagos Islands. So he noticed that the finches on those birds were different. So that's where the whole survival of the fetus came into being. So I don't have enough time. Like I say, I'm sort of hitting these topics uh, so that at least we can discuss them further at some point since we're limited on time. So I won't really uh, dive into, but I'm more than ready at any time to discuss further. So the justification for slavery was the original species by Charles Darwin. So what we have to understand is that Charles Darwin's cousin is Francis Gayton. I think some of us in school, we are familiar with Francis Gayton. So this was an English uh, uh, scientist who in 1883, after the book uh, by Charles Darwin's original species had come out, he coined the phrase eugenics. So eugenics simply means to promote the idea of perfecting human race. In the book, Natural uh, Natural Selection, which is sort of the theme for uh, the origin of species, so it justifies the enslavement of, or the killing of certain people because they say, no, these were not fully human. That's why the Constitution of the United States refers to black people as 3 feet human. So... That's the justification from the church, their Bible verses, Old and New New Testament, and then the scientific uh, community justified uh, racism or slavery at the time, especially when the book The Origin of Species came in, was was published in 1859. So Hitler now runs with this eugenics movement. Eugenics movement, of course, is the promotion of or the idea of perfecting the human race. So in the United States, uh, there's a a lady called Margaret Sanya. So Margaret Sanya is the head or the founder of Planned Parenthood. Guess what? Eugenics movement sort of was implemented in this uh, Planned Parenthood. And the the, the main reason for... (laughs) The creation of carry out some of these experiments by Mar- Margaret Sanya. <clears throat> so when you look at the the history of black people, everything points to the idea that black people were not brought to these lands to, to provide any I mean to be emancipated. So this is why the system has I think in 1865, when uh, President Lincoln uh, abolished slavery, of course, Texas held on to slavery, I think, uh, three years after. So you find that black people, though the system had declared black people to be free, you find that the institutions, this is why most people now say, we need to break the yoke of institutional racism because now racism is not practiced the way it was practiced in those days. It's now practiced on a, on a minor scale or sort of like on a different scale through these institutions. The institutions, they are able to discriminate. They are able to do all those things. But the central premise of all these things is that black people are, were brought to these lands for the benefit of the Europeans and to save the interest of the Europeans. So that's the general theme. And when you look back to 1600, 1619, actually, to present day, you find that black people are not free. uh, Though the system says you're free, but institutional... Um, you, in the institutions These are the ones who are practicing uh, Keeping our people in bondage So now When you talk of Civil rights In Zambia Some of us who grew up in Zambia When we were born in Zambia We are a citizen of Zambia There is no need for you to have civil rights The reason why you have civil rights Is because you are not a citizen Of course I mentioned what happened in 1857, and I mentioned what happened in 1859, and even the Constitution, which was written back in the 1700s, it did not mention even black people as citizens. So all, everything that we see, the killings of our people and all that stuff, it ties into the central theme that you were brought here to benefit the Europeans, and you don't have any say. We may say that you are free, but technically, you are not free. So, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Zanos radio show. It comes every 2 p.m. Eastern Time, and this is your host, Noah Lovu. Today is a very special day for the fathers out there. We are looking, we are celebrating fathers, and unfortunately, most of their black folk friends, black folk. Uh, most of our people are incarcerated, they are in the jails, they are in the prisons, they are in the system. So everything happens for a reason. So you find that in the early 1900s, ni- no, uh, early 30s, 40s, when black people were now leaving the rural areas, coming into the urban areas. So the issue of redlining, when you, if you watch the debate, uh, uh, Michael Bloomberg was sort of butchered by Elizabeth Warren when she was bringing up the issue of redlining. So, redlining was that they actually sort of draw on the maps red lines, say, this is where we are sort of containing our people, I mean, the black people. So, policing in those areas was very, very aggressive. So, again, everything matches up with what I've mentioned, that you have to understand people were brought not to take part in the American pie. They were brought for the benefit of the Europeans as when you look back, it's the same system. So in fact, most people have said the more things change, the more they remain the same. And to some extent, it's actually even a very terrible thing when you elect a black person into a higher office. Because that creates a misleading sense of confidence in some some of those black people into thinking that things are changing because the the fact that some people have made it into sort of the mainstream they still propagate the same agenda which was carried out like back back in the day, so you may have a black person elected sort of some other people have put it best that you are electing a black face onto a white system. So that creates a lot of, I mean, confusion in our people because they feel, okay, now this, we have this person in this at this level of authority. Maybe racism doesn't exist. Uh, that's sort of like it's done by design because when you look at how... African countries were captured by the Europeans. We must remember that the Europeans did not have to outnumber the Zambians or oh, sorry the Africans or Zambians. So if we focus in on Zambia, the, the Europeans who lived in Zambia at the time did not outnumber the, the locals. How did the, the, the British manage to overpower or subdue our people one you always have to use intellect when you're dealing with people. You don't have to overpower or outnumber people. What you do is you employ from the same. Get a few black people, put them in a position of authority, the police and all that. Pla- I mean, those institutions. Those people will be instruments against their own people because those people, they will feel that, oh, they're actually being hired by the Europeans. Therefore, they are... Uh, Sort of like a different class from everybody else. So when that happens, it creates a lot of confusion in some people. When you, when black people were brought to these lands, we find that the missionaries were coming to our, I mean, our, our parts yeah, there in Africa, uh, spreading the word of God. And when black people were being uh, carried over to brought to these lands in these ships one of the ships i think one of the early ones was called jesus christ so that causes a mental psychosis in our people when you see "Ah, that's jesus christ because of course like i said our people when they hear the way jesus christ it causes them to mentally freeze so civil rights you do not need civil rights if you're a citizen but in this country, you need to have civil rights. Why do you have to have a civil rights? That's proof that you are not a citizen. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's just play a little song. Actually, this is not a song. This is, of course, the one and only MLK talking uh, back in the 50s about his I Have a Dream speech. So, let's see if we can get... MLK, and then we'll continue. So it gives you a little bit of time to breathe in and breathe out. So here is MLK.
2: I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creeds. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created each I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be, be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. That my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their the content of that character. I have a dream. Today. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up.
0: And live. Sorry about that uh, technicality there. But Martin Luther speaking about. 50 years ago, he had a dream. So most people have said Martin Luther had a dream and that was it. It was just a dream. So I'll leave that for for you to decide. So we're transitioning to the other side or the other section of the show where we talk a little bit about the personality now that we've laid down the historical context of why black people were brought to these parts the justification for slavery from the church perspective, from the scientific perspective, and Hitler and the Nazis, of course. I didn't spend so much time on Hitler, but I was mainly trying to highlight on eugenics. So you have the gentleman is the, I mean, there's a group called the Outright Movement. These are the Ku Klux Klan or the, the Klan. These are white people who believe that black people should not be in the United States. So The Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanya, and eugenics, everything just ties in because perfecting the human race, we don't want black people here. This is why we have to use the system as much as possible to subdue them. So civil rights, that's proof that you're not a citizen because in Zambia, some of us were born in Zambia. We don't need civil rights to be in Zambia. So now let's talk a little bit about the personality uh, what makes up a person? Because most of the time you'll hear people, they will say, why do we act the way we act? Why do we do what we do? The reason is because we don't understand ourselves. So I mentioned that the environment shapes you. So we can say the patterns of behavior that an individual learns in coping with the environment influences the types of behavior that the individual support is going to have. So... If we say that the patterns of behavior, that an individual learns in coping with the environment, then we can infer from that, that the kind of environment an individual inhabits, will influence the kind of, and the pattern of behavior. So if you grew up in Zambia, let's say you grew up in uh, Chebolia, which is uh, considered as sort of like a tough space, that will shape you to be either a tough or strong person. Now, if you grew up on the other side of the of Zambia, where, of course, let's say you grew up in, let's say, Kablonga, the person who grew up in Kablonga and the person who grew up in Shibolia, in both cases, they will behave differently. So the powers that be, or the entity, if you wish to overpower a people, what you want to do is to control the environment. Because, I, for instance, if I was in power and I want people to do certain things, what I want to do is to control the environment. I must create an environment because an individual, if it has to survive in that environment, it must learn to cope with that environment. It's, if it's a tough environment, then an individual is going to be tough if it's an environment that requires a person to sort of to hustle, to uh, make a living, then he has to learn how to hustle. So when an, an individual learns all these, they become a part of his personality. So in some ways, these attributes or these traits that you learn because of your environment, sometimes they help you become, I mean, they may benefit you and sometimes they may hurt you. Therefore, If I create the environment, then I can create the individual. So people in power look for ways to create the environment such that black people will be dumb on purpose, will be ignorant. They will hate themselves. They will dislike uh, working with other people. In fact, like I see this as the association president, most black people, You find that they do not work they don't want to work with other people. That's by design. Again, if I create the environment, you have no choice but to cope with the environment. How can I create the environment such that they will see only me, for instance, as a white person, that I am the final validator of truth. This is why most of us, when you look at these African churches, you find that it's a It's a black church, but they have a picture of a white person as Jesus Christ. So that causes sort of like a mental paranoia in in our people in the sense that it instills or inculcates in our heads that the only true validator of truth or the person who has a final say is a white person. So it's very, very dangerous to have a church, especially in the middle of, like, let's say, Northern Province, where it's our people, uh, Copper Belt or Wapola, Eastern Province, where the, you have no white people, but you have an image of a black uh, of a white person. This is why most of our people they feel more accomplished when they sort of like befriend non-black people, because in, at the back of their mind they feel oh they have a right. So how can I create the mentality in our people. Again, you create the environment. The environment, or sort of fine tune a person to cope with that environment. So the influx, for instance, like when you look at in Zambia where we are having a lot of, I mean, Asians coming in. That, to a great extent, it may not be good for the country because Jimmy Cliff. Sang a song in 1987 is the American dream. I encourage you to listen to it if you get a chance. So when you look at the extent that we sit back, some of us and watch these things and not take part, we are sort of contributing to to that. So even the Bible says when you see something wrong is happening and you sit back and you're not doing anything, you're part and parcel of that. So let's look at, let's take a look at the social learning theory. So, one of my undergraduate degrees is in psychology. So let's just take a few minutes and look at social learning theory. So behavior is as a result of a continuous interaction between personal and environmental variables. I'll read that again.
2: Behavior
0: is as a result of interaction between personal and environmental variables. Environmental conditions shape behavior through learning right now I'm talking to you you are learning something in order for me to say something I have to say something in order for me for instance to teach you something I have to say something that you don't know because if I say something that you already know then I'm wasting not only my time and your time so to teach someone something I have to be able to say something which that person doesn't know so when you study social learning theory it tells you clearly Behavior is as a result of a continuous interaction between the personal and environmental variables. Environmental conditions shape behavior through learning. A person's behavior in turn shapes the environment. There is this reciprocal relationship. We create an environment, then we create the behavior, behavior orientation. A person's behavior orientation creates the environment. So there's the sort of like if you, in, in biology, you might say there's a Symbolic relationship, but in simple terms, it's reciprocal relationship. The environment will shape your behavior, and your behavior will shape the environment. This is why some of us, when you hear someone who speaks with a different accent, you are able to tell that, oh, no, no, this guy is actually not from here. I remember most of the time, I mean, when I'm talking to my, my friends, white friends, some of them, they'll easily tell. But, oh, this guy is not from here. But not only me, because I think even among the Americans here, somebody who comes from the south, if you come from New York or New Orleans or these other places or Kentucky, uh, some people here, they'll tell that, oh, no, this person is from Kentucky. Why do they tell? Because the environment where you live, it becomes part of your personality. So. You put a person in a slum, in a shanty compound, he develops shanty behavior. Once he develops shanty behavior, he will make shanty, shanty behavior or shanty mentality wherever he goes. Then we will say, this person is is a shanty person by nature or he makes slummy decisions by nature. So create the environment, create the personality. So the environment, where you come from, if you live in Illinois, your environment, even your kids, they will choose friends based on sort of the small geographical location there where you are because you choose to be sort of the friends of your kids. If you live in, let's say, Mr. Wendy is in Florida, children, are going to have friends within sort of the vicinity within where he lives because that is designed by the location. Now, some of us, when you grow up, you can make friends out of out of town and all that stuff. But for kids, usually you you can decide the type of friends. This is why most people say, I want to live in a different environment or different neighborhood because you are looking at the traits that are in that environment. So this is why, the environment plays, plays, plays so big in determining the behavior of uh, a person. Often, as a person, we are not aware of the first creation. So, when you look at black people, when they came to this land, they were created in the sense that you create uh, people by sort of redlining. You cannot come to this part of town. Even in, in South Africa, I, some of my friends would tell me, you needed to carry an, a, an ID or I mean, something sort of like in Zambia we have an NRC. You needed to have it at all times, especially if you were going in Jobbik. The same thing for here. Redlining, you cannot come and live on this side of town. We want you to be in this side of town because by confining people in a certain geographical location, they will develop certain traits and characters uh, of, of that area. So everything, ladies and gentlemen, is by design. So the only thing we often see as a result of creation is the how people behave. So this is why most of us will say, why do we act the way we, we do? Subconscious is you are created. In psychology... Uh, personality is sort of established when a person is at, uh, uh, let's say, year three or four. Ask any person who studies psychology, they'll tell you that identity or the personality is mostly uh, influenced by the actions and decisions and happenings when you are about three to five years old. But if you ask most of us, we don't remember what happened to us when we were three, four, five years old. But that in a sense, provides the framework of how we perceive, how we structure our mind, how we see our, our ourselves, how we relate to others. so we always have to understand that everything that we see just doesn't happen so that's why it's important for one to know yourself. you cannot know yourself and know other people or the universe if you if you don't know yourself you cannot know other people or the universe the key to know to knowing the universe is knowing and knowing other people is first knowing yourself this is why there's an african proverb that says know thyself so to avoid saying why do black people act the way they act we have to understand that Behavior is as a result of interaction between personal and environmental factors. So the environmental conditions shape behavior through learning. A person's behavior in turn shapes the environment. To to predict behavior, we need to know how the characteristics of the individual interact with the characteristics of the environment, simple. So to predict behavior, we need to know how the Characteristics of the individual interact with the characteristics of the environment. The real point in psychology from the, I think from the European perspective is to control. The main goal is to learn how to control other people. How do we take advantage of these people? These people, they have all the minerals, they have all the gold, they have all the natural resources, and you can even put in, they have all the the fine women. How do we take control of all those uh, uh, natural resources? We have to be able to create an environment in which they will be able to see us as final validators of truth. And that's exactly what has happened to black people. So when we look at why do we, the way we act, we don't want to work with others. Most of the people, when you ask them, hey, get involved in this and that, most people, they feel tired. They feel like they, they have to go to sleep at that point. So it's very, very important to understand that the environment in which we live shapes our behavior. And in turn, our behavior shapes our environment. In other words, you know what and how, who, and what they are capable of doing. When you create the environment, in other words, you know what, who, and what uh, somebody is is capable of doing. Therefore, the powers that be are not only uh, concerned with predicting behavior, because you can predict behavior of a person when you create it. How do you do that? You create the environment such a way that people will be able to see themselves thinking that they are driving themselves, but in actual sense, they have no idea what they're doing. So that's sort of like a little snapshot of the social learning theory. So again, according to social learning theory, individual differences in behavior are due to the differences in experiences. So this is why when you show up to a doctor, they'll say, oh, tell me about the history. They want to know what happened to you so that at least they have a, a solution for you. So when we study history, European history, or African history, which is not taught in this in, in, in this country, that's also by design, because when you teach African history, it will sort of awaken some of the black traits that have been dormant in some people. So this is why the in the United States, they do not teach African history because subconsciously it will make other people, of course, one, The most of people who, like especially the millennials, they will be like, oh, this is what happened. Oh, this is bad. So the powers that be take a deliberate action not to teach African history. So let me give a, a, a simple example that I think now we are running down on time. The, the famous rat experiment, there the, the used to be a psychologist who called himself B.F. Tina. So he ran some experiments using some rats. A rat was removed from its natural environment, put in a cage. A rat is removed from its natural environment and placed in a cage. A conditioned environment, so when you take it, like right now, I have a little bunny in my little cage. So the bunny lives in that cage. You must understand that when a rabbit or a bunny or a rat is put in a cage, it is placed in a new environment, and then it has to learn to cope in that environment. If it has to eat, it has to learn to push the liver. It has to do this and that. So under normal circumstances, the rat will not behave like that. So so, so when you bring black people, remove them from their domain, the Africans, bring them into a foreign land, you strip them of their culture, their dignity, their names, everything else. Then what you are doing, in other words, you are creating them. You want them to behave in a certain way. Because when you create them, then you can predict what people are doing. So when we see all these killings, in other words, people, they will protest, they will march, and that that's it. Then they'll go back to life as usual. So... I hope, ladies and gentlemen, you've learned one or two things. So behavior is shaped by the environment, and in turn, your environment shapes your behavior. So when you put a rat in a box, you must remember that you are the rat in that box. Don't look at that that, no, that's just a rat in the, in the textbook. No. Who provides the water in these areas where, where you live? Who provides employment? Who hires you? Those are the people who create the same set of conditions that you have to live under and you have to learn to cope. So if I bring people in this part of this world, to this part of the world, they have to dance to my tune. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been my take. I was asked to sort of give my, my opinion. So that's basically my rant on this. Till next time, it's good goodbye until we meet again.
2: My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character.